Hey everybody, this is Brian Poth from the Source LGBT Plus Center, and this is Queer Goggles. This week, we're talking to Kiki Vela, one of our Leadership Academy participants, about her experience with Leadership Academy, equity on the mall, and what it's like to be a trans woman of color in Central California. Okay, so my name is Kiki. Um, I am 26 years old now because I just turned 26. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And the way I learned about the Leadership Academy was through my brother, because he previously did it the year before, last year. And he motivated he voted, he motivated me to do it, so I signed up. And, and you were, like, busy with another Leadership Academy at the same time, right? You had two things going on. Yes. <laughs> How did you do that? Um... I like split my time. Well, the good thing about it, about the other leadership academy is that it's on another day. So that makes perfect sense for me to like go to both. So I just, I mean, I dropped out of school. So I was like, I don't have much time. So I might as well kill like my time with like doing something positive for the community. That's great. And so um, you were... So you work full time. You're in two leadership academies. Yes. Um, and you are really active in the LGBT community. I think you were you've been active as a performer, as an activist, all of that stuff. Even before we met you, I had heard of you through Ruben. Yeah. So we were really lucky to get you. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, you are very vocal about um, uh, trans women of color how important visibility is. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you feel, um, like what you bring to the table in terms of um, who you are and how you feel about things? Oh, okay. Um, So, yeah, I am very passionate about, like, having transgender rights because um, as we've all known, we've all known that the gay movement was started by trans women of color. There were, if anybody knows about Marsha P. Johnson, she was the first um, trans woman to, like, supposedly that's, they say that she was, like, the first one to initiate the fight and she was the first one to throw a brick at Stonewall and then when the police were raiding Stonewall. So I'm like, I'm very passionate about trans women of color, trans rights and being visible because for so long I had to like not really be myself. I was like scared to to like show my true self. I was scared to like to show any kind of femininity, if I was acting a certain way, like I was, I was scared. So it was like time for me to like be like who I wanted to be. And how have things gone for you since, um, since you made that discovery? Um, it's been really good. Thank God I have a very supportive family because I feel like supporting having a supportive family is like, it's like the greatest gift of all. Because I, I 
feel like if you didn't, like, if I didn't have someone that's really close to me, like, guiding me through on the right path, I would, like, be lost. And I wouldn't, like, be here in this on this earth because I probably would, like, take my own life or... Because that's what happens to a lot of trans people. They become very depressed and they're, sometimes they are kicked out of their homes. They're beaten up. And it's sad and it's, I think that it helps to have someone there being supportive, holding your hand and, you know. Yeah. And I met your family. I love your parents. I think they're amazing people. Yeah. Um, you know, I know siblings can sometimes get on everybody's nerves, but yeah. um, you have a really great brother as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you're, you're very fortunate um, in that regard, for sure. I've known you for a while, and I feel like, um, you know, I knew you as a performer, and so... I feel like you have a very, you have a very interesting past in that you, you know, you've lived a lot of your time in front of an audience. So can you tell me a little bit about how you started performing and then how that sort of influenced you becoming uh, an activist or, or who you are today? Oh, yeah. So I started performing when I first turned 21. I've been a fan of um like... Well, even before, like, I'm a trans woman who does drag. Um, But even before I did drag, I was always performing. I was always singing. I was always, like, in productions. If If I wasn't in productions, I was singing in talent shows or, like, in some kind of choir. Um, So the way I got into um, performing was the love of music. And that, like, drives me to be a great excellent performer and the way I got into drag was through small drag competitions Mm -hmm. I was really nervous and it (laughs) was like it was my first time doing drag and I looked busted as hell (laughs) and it was like a learning experience even though I didn't win the competition I still like had the drive in me to like still keep pushing on and still like perform wherever I had the chance I would like beg and message all the queens in Fresno because that's where I normally perform I would like message all of them I would like I would send in like 10 or 15 messages before they even responded because that's how committed I I was <laughs> and when I do perform I like to add like some kind of special message tied within my performance whether it be something like racism transphobia Anything like that, I like to put that in my performance because it shows that, oh, she's like leading, like she's actually doing something like I'm in. Yes, I'm entertaining an audience, but I'm also like making them learn about, you know, these major issues that that are going on right now, especially violence against trans women of color. Some trans women of color don't even get to live over the age of 35. Those are terrible statistics. Yeah. So. Part of what we did for our um, Leadership Academy this year was continue our clinic visits. And so we uh, partnered with Act for Women and Girls, and they um, talked to us about reproductive access. Access for teens, access for youth with reproductive health. And then we looked at that through an LGBT lens. And so when we're looking at access in the Central Valley for healthcare for most people, it doesn't even matter if you're LGBT. It's not great. Yeah. There's travels hard for people. And then, you know, sometimes they have to wait, you know, weeks to see their primary care provider and forget it if you have a specialty need, you know? Yeah. So um, how was your clinic visit? How did that go for you? 
you. And how does that, what does that feel like for a trans woman of color here in the Central Valley accessing reproductive health care? What, what did that feel like? Well, when I did my first clinic visit, it was cool, calm, collected. I was able to like state my name and tell them like the correct pronouns that I go by. Sometimes it was, it can be a little hard because I went to, I believe it was um, Family Healthcare Network in Traver. And when I went in, I told them like, oh, I would like to get an STD, STI check. She didn't even bother to like, oh, do you want to HIV as well? You would think that they would like provide the HIV as well, uh, like the HIV test as well. Right. And I also told them like, oh, can I have a full panel? And they're like, they like looked at me kind of weird. They're like a full panel. Like, what do you need a full? I was like, a full panel, like, I want to be checking all SCDs, like, and I asked, I told her, like, make sure to, like, check the throat. When you're doing tests for, like, SCDs, the throat never comes up. Yeah. You can have an STD in your throat and not even know it. So that's why it's a very important to let the doctor know, like, to do these extra te- um, tests on you, because... You may do. You may be doing like a blood test, which is cool. Yes, um, it shows up, or a urine test for um, checking STDs. But sometimes there's other areas that it won't even come in in the blood or the the urine. So it's important. It's important to like let them know, like, oh, can you check this as well? Yeah, and you know that about. Um your health and you know a lot more than most people your age I think and so you're able to ask for those things because you're aware of them there are a lot of people that just you know when they go to the doctor they feel very nervous um they're just they just want to get in they just want to get out especially if you're there for an STI check right so you just want to you just kind of want to go in under the radar and if you don't know to bring up these things um you could walk out and not get tested for the right thing um not be offered an HIV test um syphilis is high in our area as well and so um for you to at, know to ask for a full panel um is really great um it's it's it would be nice if they offered it yeah <laughs> i mean it's sort of like only logical if you're having any sort of sex that is maybe unprotected, then you're at risk for all STIs, right? Yeah. So, um, so that was in, that was in Traver. Yes. And, um, were you able to go to any other clinic visits like at Planned Parenthood or anything? I went to the one in Dainubo, which is basically like my primary care. And he like advises you to like, if you're sexually active and you're out there having sex, no matter if you're gay, straight, Whatever you are, he, like, recommends for you to be on PrEP because PrEP is a preventative drug that prevents you from contacting HIV. And he, like, he he even asks me, like, oh, do you know anybody else that can benefit from this? And it's, it's like, it's good to know that we have a doctor in Dinuba, California that is aware of, like, STD rates going really high and HIV is going high as well. And for him to take initiative to be like, Hey, do do you know anybody else that can benefit from this? It's like really, it's like a positive thing to hear from a doctor. It's sort of surprising. I mean, there, there has, there was a law I think passed in 2016 
um, called AB 2640, which requires um, doctors and, and physicians and anyone providing STI, you know, tests um, that if somebody tests for HIV and they're negative to offer them access and information about PrEP. And so many people still aren't doing that. Um, so it's really it's really nice to hear that uh, the clinic in Dinuba is. What, what was that clinic again? It's on Alto. That's all I know. Um... That's awesome. Um, that's really awesome. So, you know, um, part of the work that we do for San Joaquin Valley Health Fund is to change policies and systems. And so just by, you know, going in and asking and being aware of our bodies as LGBT people, um, we can ask for the right things for us. And oftentimes just doing that sparks like a doctor to go, oh, you know what? Maybe I should do that for all my clients. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or like, hey, maybe more people could benefit from PrEP. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for the time that you've spent with us um, in leadership this year. You are a, a, a great example of what it means to be a leader. And, um, and I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Um, I want to ask you maybe one more question uh, or two. Uh, really quick. So if you could describe um, your experience in Sacramento advocating at uh, uh, Equality on the Mall, wh- what would you say? Was it, was that the first time you'd ever done something like that? Yeah, it was the first time I ever went to like an event like that. Um, I would describe it as really like inspirational. Like everybody was there like wanting to change, wanting to change laws, wanting to present law, um, bills and stuff like that. And it was like amazing to see like that many people out there, like pro like coming together, like wanting change in America. Yeah. Well, in California. Well, yeah. I mean, we're California, America, you know, let's change what we can. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we're pretty lucky to live in California. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes we're a little unlucky that we're in the Central Valley because it takes a while to, for things to kind of trickle down to our area. But um, and then I want to talk to you about access for uh, trans uh, affirming healthcare in the Central Valley. How hard has it been to find providers here that um, can uh, give you what you need as as a patient? Like, um, how, how hard was it to find um, HRT or any of that for you? Um, at first, it was hard because I didn't know where to go. And when I did research, they, it was best to go, like, out of town. So, like, San Francisco, L.A., Stanford. And what <clears throat> year was that? Do you remember? That was, like... In the beginning of my transition, 2014. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's difficult to, like, find, like, health, um, like, HRT, especially for me, like, wanting to get hormones. Mm-hmm. And, some t- and when you do go to, like, say you go to, because I go to um, Planned Parenthood in Fresno, and sometimes they don't take your, your Medi-Cal from Tulare County. Got it. Got it. So it becomes more difficult and there's like more like stop signs saying like, oh, yeah, you can't get this because you live in this area. And it's like shitty because you're wanting to like transition and it's like it's frustrating. 
Right, and you took all the time to kind of figure out where to go in the first place. Yeah. So you find out, you finally find out a place to go. You, uh, they say they take your insurance. You either, I mean, if you're lucky enough to have transportation, you can get there, but you live like a good 30, 40 miles from Fresno. Yeah. So you get there and they don't take your health insurance, right? Yeah. So are there trans uh, people who have to resort to like black market hormones or anything like that have you heard of that in this area um yeah there's been a couple i won't name names but there's been like trans women who had a like transition and take like black market kind of drugs and you don't even know what you're putting inside your body so that's a huge risk that you are taking and and it's like dumb because we have there's like health care but health care doesn't cover what you want to like get mm-hmm. like pills or shots or whatever it is like it sucks because you wanting you're wanting to make a change in, within yourself and they're like roadblocks yeah because the the insurance as far as i know um covers <clears throat> trans related health care right yeah. but um you, sometimes you can't find a doctor to mm-hmm. do that so yeah. um or they don't know how or they're uncomfortable maybe initiating the treatment, but they'll they'll write a prescription once you've kind of seen what they call as a specialist, which is just somebody who knows a little bit about trans health, right? Yeah. So, um, but uh, is there anything else that you would want um, the audience to know about uh, about you or your experience in Leadership Academy? Um. It's been really great. I like it. I'm not only in this leadership academy, I'm also in the Act for Women and Girls. And um, yeah, I'm very passionate about doing the work that I'm doing. I really, really want to have a shelter for trans women of color because, or, or LGBT in general, anybody's welcome, like a shelter for anybody. And there's no like homeless shelters for trans women and if there is you have to be like there's like one and you have to be passable and that shouldn't like dictate whether or not you you can be let into a homeless shelter so my number one passion right now is like getting a shelter for lgbtqia people and i think you're not alone i think there's some people right now doing um Kind of some. I actually know someone today doing some legwork to house um, one of our trans sisters today. So um, it's been it, there is a need for sure, and we need people like you um, to lead the way because you can you can you can make a difference. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Kiki. Oh, thank you. It's been great. If you'd like to know more about the Source LGBT and our programs and services, please visit thesourcelgbt.org or follow us on Facebook at The Source LGBT.